0: You're listening to the Unhelden News and Review and Pharisee Watch, brought to you by We Hold These Truths. Each week we look into the events that are, for the most part, ignored or overlooked by the mainstream media, and we analyze these events. Just as in Jesus' day, Pharisees still walk the earth. Among them today are the celebrity Christians who support wars in the Middle East to protect Israel. In our Pharisee Watch portion of the program, we feature stories about the unchristlike acts of these modern-day Pharisees. Our programs are led by Charles E. Carlson, the founder of We Hold These Truths and author and editor of the Pharisee Watch and unheralded news features on our website, whtt.org joining chuck are four other founders of we hold these truths travis Steele is the owner of steel engineering mark horton is the president of ultra clean corporation chuck mccollum is the owner of oakshade development and tom compton is a retired sales engineer and your announcer our reader is we hold these truths faithful volunteer and dramatist leslie ford welcome to our podcast
1: In today's podcast for Unheralded News and Pharisee Watch, we've got a lot of revolting going on here, it seems like, all over the world. And one of the reasons for revolting in our first item here, falling wages threaten U.S. rebound as consumers may retrench on spending. Chuck?
2: the summary of this reads 91% of the people in the U.S. labor force have a job. That may be the extent of the good news for these Americans. Those incomes tell a darker story. Take-home pay, adjusted for price, fell 0.3% in August, and that's the third decrease in five months. Now, by the way, any fall in income is bad because we have a monthly increase in cost of living, as we know. The personal income dropped for the first time in two years. The Commerce Department reported this this last week. The decline followed news from the Census Bureau that the median household income in 2010 fell to $49,448, the lowest in more than a decade, and the poverty rate jumped to 15.1%, a 17-year high. Now, of course, that uh, $49,445 is an average that includes the Wall Street tycoons and the the, uh, professional football players that are making $30 million a year. And the average American, we don't know what the mean might be, but there are a lot of people making less than $49,000, of course. And, for instance, in in, uh, my recent trip to Norway, I found out that the average household income in Norway is at least double that $49,000 figure. Uh, Prices and taxes are higher, too, but our uh, per capita income or household income, income per family, that means two working people or whatever, is going down, and this is causing a lot of uh, trouble. People notice this right away, and the title of this article, which was published in Bloomberg News, was Falling Wages Threaten U.S. Rebound as Consumers May uh, Revolt. Any comments on this? Uh, Anybody think that their household income is going up?
1: Well, it certainly isn't, and being on Social Security, we've been told the past two years that prices haven't increased, and I bought some soap at uh, the store the other day, and I remember just a couple years ago, the price has gone up about 20% in less than two years And, of course, we've been assured by our Social Security that prices have not gone up and and, uh, we're not being compensated for it. And I assume it's probably going to be the same scenario this coming year because of all the crunches and so forth that, uh, that there won't be anything done for folks that are on Social Security. and. Our next item, of course, has to do with revolting. That was a topic of our of our broadcast tonight, and this is the anti Wall Street protest that has spawned others across the United States. Chuck, uh, would you like to give us this account from CBS News, please?
2: Well, I wrote a comment on this, and here's my. I'll just read my own comment. The story here is the lack of reading about this, with almost no mainstream press coverage. Of this story by CBS News made it to the Internet, but whether or not it's going to get on the 10 o'clock news tonight, we'll have to wait to see. I doubt if it will. China Daily decried as shameful the U.S. press blackout of the protests that are going on on Wall Street against Wall Street. According to the China News, they said one of the best-kept secrets in the United States over the past two weeks seems to be the protest on or near Wall Street in New York. More than a 1,000 people protested on the first day, September 17th, marching and chanting slogans, yet the demonstration, known as Occupy Wall Street, did not appear on the major networks, evening news, or in the major newspapers the next day. The protest now on its 14th day only got limited coverage last Saturday when heavy-handed police arrest close to 100 people and pepper sprayed several female demonstrators, Mm -hmm. but coverage that day was not in-depth. This comes from the China Times, the official organ of the Chinese government, really. And, of course, we all remember Tiananmen Square, how well they publicized that. Nevertheless, they are are pointing (laughs) out the truth that our press is not covering what is really a pretty large demonstration. The story that is published by AP and was carried by CBS News Today on the Internet said a protest against Wall Street entered their 18th day on Tuesday as demonstrators across the country showed their anger over the wobbly economy and what they see as corporate greed by marching on the Federal Reserve Bank and camping out in parks from Los Angeles to Portland, Maine. City bus drivers sued the New York Police Department on Monday for commandeering their buses and making them drive to the Brooklyn Bridge on Saturday to pick up demonstrator protests. Now the bus company has said that they're going to actually join the protesters, Uh, at least the leaders of the bus union say that. So this is union support is starting to come down. The point, of course, here, and by the way, some of these protesters dress as zombies, but it is quite a few people. And I read an account by one woman who happened to have a Jewish name, and she said that she is a permanent protester She's camping out in the park. She's not going home. She's going to stay until something happens. And she said it's because that her family has worked very hard all their lives, and she now sees her parents struggling just to make ends meet while living in some place in New York City. So, so this uh, protest is quite a development here. And uh, and as I said when I started, the real story is the lack of story. If you read your internet news, you knew about it. But if you didn't read the Internet news, you'd never know, I don't think, from the media that this was really going on or that it had any substance to it at all. But uh, 700 people were arrested on, I think it was Saturday or Sunday. It does sound like there was an effort to bust this uh, protest uh, from the 700 arrests that uh, were done. And there's already a lawsuit on on that being filed. Uh, They claim that the police... We're under some kind of orders to try to entrap these people and arrest uh, 700 of them on the Brooklyn Bridge where they couldn't get away without jumping off the bridge. So no. usually people run away when arrests start, but uh, they couldn't get away from the New York police. The curious thing about this is it's not very well organized, and it doesn't sound like these people really do know exactly what they're protesting for, what they want done, or, or why they're doing it. They just are... Blaming Wall Street and even the Federal Reserve for being somehow at the root of the problem, and war is mentioned a lot in what the protesters talk about.
1: Well, I and mean, they know that. From, I would imagine a lot of protesters know that there has been no condemnation when you look at the savings and loan debacle in the '80s. There were over a thousand of the executives. Who went to jail in the 2008 uh, Wall Street crash and the banks. Nobody, Bernie Madoff is the only guy, and some slap on the wrist of, of like Lehman Brothers and this type of thing. So there really has not been any credibility. So people are, are seeing this lack of oversight. And you're right, Chuck, I think people are probably confused, but this kind of action is going to continue i would think uh, if we wind up in this situation like uh, greece i mean we got we got a long ways to go to be in the greece situation but remember
2: london too england,
1: england. yes
2: right there've been big big protests there so this is not new and these people are you know they are comparing it to the arab spring in in the east so i color it uh, i color it healthy i'm glad to see it and uh, well, yes. people are actually camping out and saying they're there permanently. This means that it's not going to be uh, dis- dispensed with as, as easily as, uh, as probably the New York Michael Bloomberg wants wants to.
1: Right. Okay, our, moving on to our next item. This is from the Independent from London, and uh, it's titled U.S. Congress Blocks 128 million pounds Well so that's like 100 close to 170 200 million dollars republican gary ackerman member of the house subcommittee on the middle east and south asia told a meeting of representatives and leaders of jewish organizations outside the united nations headquarters on monday that quote there may need to be a total cutoff of all aid to the palestinians for pursuing this Course of action, which is very dangerous and ill-advised. Unquote. Former President Bill Clinton recently warned Congress to leave the issue of aid to the Obama administration. He said, "Quote: Everybody knows the U.S. Congress is the most pro-Israel parliament's body in the world. They don't have to demonstrate for that." <laughs> Wow, that's something I really agree with uh, Bill Clinton on. That's a, maybe a that's first, strange, actually.
2: Yeah, it's really <laughs> strange how these guys become so holy after their terms over.
1: But yeah, it, it, it's, it's like Jimmy amazing. Carter. Yeah, absolutely. Well, of course, they are trapped. You know, they sell their souls to get the the office, and so they're trapped by all these people around. And Jimmy Carter may have. I mean, he's he's done quite a bit since he's gone out of office, but you know, I think. You're, you're not really your own man, particularly when you become president, because all the people that uh, got to be paid off and so forth with jobs and all the uh, advisors and so forth, yeah, there's um, a lot of confusion on there. As a follow-up story to the, the Palestinian story from the Lon- London um, Independent, this is from Haritz, the Israeli paper, and this is a really good story here. It's entitled, this is from the 4th of October, Palestinian Protesters accost U.S. Diplomats During West Bank Visit. A small crowd of Palestinian protesters accosted an American diplomatic delegation visiting the West Bank Tuesday, blocking a convoy of vehicles, chanting, shame on you, and hurling a shoe, a deeply insulting gesture in Arab culture. The Americans, including employees of the consulate in Jerusalem, were on their way to a U.S. reception in town of Ramallah, meant to reaffirm cultural and educational ties with the Palestinians. But relations have grown strained recently with Palestinians disappointed over President Barack Obama's handling of Mideast peace efforts. They say he is not tough enough on Israel and are also upset over U.S. vows to block their attempt to receive full membership at the United Nations. Members of the Congress have put a hold on $200 million in economic assistance to the Palestinians to dissuade them from pushing forward with the U.N. request. Officials have also hinted that the aid could be cut off altogether if Palestinians proceed with their plans. The U.S. provides some $500 million a year to the Palestinians and it goes on here, but the...
2: Well, I have, a, I have something to comment on this. First of all, one needs to understand that this $500 million is almost half a billion dollars, and if that number really is true, that represents about one-sixth or seventh of what we give every year to the State of Israel, in military right. aid alone, plus whatever is slipped to them under the carpet. So the 500 billion is a is an outrageous sum to give away to anybody, but when you compare it to what uh, what their what their uh, antagonists get, very little of that actually uh, gets down to uh, of course the military budget. Uh, the Palestinians are still throwing rocks, and the Israelis, of course, have tanks. The other fact about the way this money is dispensed is that it is given to the appointed leadership of the Palestinian people which is called the Palestinian authority who has never been elected and they essentially were put there by none other than the United States with uh, the acquiescence and approval of the state of Israel so the Palestinians leaders are of course really their enemies and uh, or their enemies friends and uh, and the Palestinian authority gets this money all $500 million of it, and then they use that, of course, to run their police forces, their political machine, their whatever graft they have internally, and then the programs that they have to hire people and maintain the territories. So a little understanding of that is really important, and so that money, of course, is the way that the U.S. has traditionally controlled the Palestinian leadership so that they never got any really effective leadership. Uh, they were always uh, having to listen to the leadership that had the money, which was the one that uh, received the uh, received the aid directly from the U.S. Muhammad Abbas seems to have contradicted the U.S. by going to the U.N. and asking for statehood. It's somewhat questionable whether that's really in the agenda or not, but it's important to realize that whether... The Palestinian people are not too concerned about this money because they don't see it anyway. It pretty much goes to their government.
1: All right. Well, I want to wrap up this little story here with the in comments from the Saritz uh, piece. And they, that it, they end with, with peace talks stalled for most of the past three years, the Palestinians have said they have little choice but to, to turn to the U.N., They refuse to negotiate with Israel while it continues to build in Jewish settlements in the West Bank and East Jerusalem, saying the construction is a sign of bad faith. Palestinians have expressed disappointment over Obama's failure to halt settlement construction after harshly condemning the practice upon taking office. So, you know, we have nobody uh, in our press that would ever say something like this. So, again, we tip our hats off to Haaretz for reporting things like this. Chuck, the next story we have here is about from Ambrose Evans Pritchard, who is from the London Telegraph.
2: This is a audio, and Ambrose Evans Pritchard has been a pretty reliable voice about financial matters. And so we've kept an eye on what he's had to say over the years. And he's tremendously bright and not a huckster. So it's, it's quite interesting to hear what he has to say sometimes. In this case, he says the euro, that means the money used by 21 countries in Europe, the euro is unsavable. And he goes on and explains why in this audio, and it's worth listening to. We won't try to tell you what the audio exactly says, But the general theme of this is that you have 21 countries of vastly different. They never should have ever tried to get together under one common central bank with one bank agreeing to print the money for everybody and then give it to them as they deserve it. Because, of course, uh, you have all kinds of lobbying internally, and it just doesn't work out that way. What some people have suggested very brightly is that the good countries that have stable economies like Germany and maybe France, I'm not sure who all that would, would be, should pull out of the Euro and leave the poor countries to fend with it as they see fit. Others have said that the more common thing that you're hearing all the time is that uh, Greece may be driven out of the Euro because they can't keep up. But people like Andrews Pritchard and others and he's not the only one by any means, are saying that the euro is absolutely unsavable and this is going to cause a tremendous financial crash in Europe when they try to unwind the mess they have themselves all wrapped up in. So it's worth, worth listening to because the reverberations of it will go around the globe from China to Hong Kong to Singapore to Australia to the United States and Canada and every place that there is an economy. Uh, and uh, if he's right and uh, so it's very interesting uh, to follow this and um, and uh, we'll try to uh, publish more pieces that actually help people a little bit in trying to plan financially
1: okay thank you chuck our
2: next item
1: is very significant once again uh, we're seeing cracks in the dispensational movement christian zionism as we talked about to explain Christian Zionists for the most part are dispensationalists but being a dispensationalist doesn't mean that you're a Christian Zionist and this is evident by this open letter by two professors David Gushy and Glenn Stassen they formed a group called New Evangelical Partnership for the Common Good and one of these professors is from the Fuller Theological Seminary would you read this? Us- To us,
3: please, Leslie. Dear Christian brothers and sisters, quote, But we cannot remain silent about the vast array of American Christians who support the most repressive and unjust Israeli policies in the name of Holy Land and a holy God. We charge that you bear grave responsibility for aiding and abetting Obvious sin, and if Israel once again sees war, we suggest that you will bear part of the responsibility. Christians are called to be peacemakers, that's Matthew 5, 9, but by offering uncritical support of current Israeli policies, you are actively inflaming the Middle East toward war in the name of God. This is appalling. It is intolerable. It must stop. We plead with you, our brothers and sisters, to find a better way, a more biblical way, to love Israel. Love Israel enough to oppose rather than support actions that violate God's clearly revealed moral will. And while you are at it, it might be good to work on loving the Palestinians, some of whom are also our Christian sisters and brothers. When you visit Israel, we urge you to visit with Palestinian Christians and ask them what they want us, their fellow Christians, to support, for they surely need our love and we are surely commanded to love them too. Quote, at a theological level, we are claiming that even if one accepts A, a divine promise of land to the Jewish people as recorded in scripture, B, a belief that this promise extends even to this day, and C, the modern state of Israel as in part God's gracious fulfillment of this promise, one must also say the the Bible in the prophetic writings also teaches that persistent injustice on the part of Israel has evoked and still can bring God's judgment, which can extend even to war and exile. Israel's remaining in the land depends on Israel's now doing justice to Palestinians and making peace with its Arab neighbors that surround Israel. Indeed, Jesus, as prophet and savior, also prophesied that Jerusalem would be destroyed because they did not know the practices that make for peace. Luke 19, verses 41 through 44. And Jerusalem was destroyed 40 years later. Do you not fear that it could happen again? Does not your love of Israel make you want to do all you can to prevent that from happening? And yet your actions actually make it more likely to happen,
1: Thank you, Leslie. Any comments from anybody in the studio here? Very good article.
3: Yeah, Again, we're know. starting
1: to see more cracks in the dispensational body, if you will, where people are stepping forward and stating the obvious actually because Christian Zionists are by the millions are blinded to this issue
2: I might, uh, I might
1: and you read. might I'm sure you know Tom that we owe these truths has been <laughs> campaigning <laughs> on this issue for.
3: Over ten years. <laughs> Over
1: ten years. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Absolutely, yes. Uh, well, and so uh, we don't feel like we're voices in the wilderness. We've got some, actually, some heavier hitters out there, which is very gratifying.
2: Uh, Tom, years ago we had uh, a very fine, retired theologian from one of the seminaries, it might have even been Fuller, who taught there for years and was a dispensationalist Who told us that he was a, was a dispensationalist, but he's not a Zionist. Our feeling is that the argument made by people like this is extremely weak and very hard to sustain, and yet we, we really do welcome them because they are making a departure from the, the Christian Zionist crowd. But the definition of, of a dispensationalist is actually given in this story that uh, Leslie just read. Uh, I believe she read something to the effect that even if you believe that there was a divine promise of the land made by Abraham and uh, that it uh, was made to the tribes of Abraham and that it extends to the state of Israel today, still the writer said that they they don't think what Israel's doing is appropriate and that it can be that it can't be can neither be sustained nor it can can it be condone. The fact though scripturally that we believe is, is true is that these statements there was no divine promise to anybody today that did not extend to the present day state of Israel and there was no promise of land that God made today that uh, supersedes the proper ownership of land by people who possess it nor was that ever intended. And we we think also that Jesus' words clearly state that there are no heirs of Abraham today except the people who follow Christ. So this this article is so important because we totally disagree with the theology of these people who are. I, mean, I can't speak for everyone, of course, Tom. I'm not trying to yes. for all of our listeners, but but most of us that we hold these truths disagree with the dispensational evangelical argument and contention, along, of course, with the need of Jesus to return again and carry out the promises that he didn't fulfill when he was on earth 2,000 years ago. And yet, it's very encouraging to see people like Stassen and the other guy coming out and actually saying, we can't back Israel, we can't ignore Israel anymore, we have to tell the truth about what Israel is actually doing and, uh, and, and so then ma- they make their own argument of why it's not scriptural. It's different from our argument, but it's good to see this happening. And uh, they're not the only ones. We're seeing other people doing this pretty regularly now. We're getting indications of this in our mail and uh, calls from people. And uh, it's, it's really encouraging. It is a sign of the great turning that we talked about on our DVD, The Tragedy and the Turning.